Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's Jillian. What's up? It's Kurt. What's going on, everybody? It's Jermaine, and we are your in-arena hosts for the Indiana Pacers. And this is the Believe in Pacers podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Believe in Pacers podcast. Thank you guys for being here. Jillian and Kurt with you. I know Kurt and I just wrapped up working the game tonight here at home against the Nuggets. So I was going to say it's late, Kurt, but I'm realizing it's actually early. It's like... (laughs) 12.39 to (laughs) be exact. 12.39 on Friday, actually. So trying to remember now that it's actually Friday instead of Thursday. But hey, you know what? We were talking at the game We've had a long day, but a good day um, interviewing Ryan Vaughn from Indiana Sports Corp. That'll be coming up. We had the game tonight. We figured while it's fresh in our mind, let's dive into this. So, Kurt, I know what we like to do at the beginning is kind of recap what's happened. So we did come off of a four-game losing streak. However, we have to talk about the game in Cleveland, right? Right, we have to because we bounced back and we won that game. And so much happened in that game. And, you know... We've always mentioned that we're going to do a player of the game or a player of the week. And this week, you know, a really big um, contributing factor in that win was TJ McConnell. So, again, big round of applause for him. We're going to give him some claps. And, I mean, his numbers were absolutely crazy. It was incredible to see. I mean, talking about those numbers you mentioned, you know, he recorded the sixth triple-double with steals in NBA history. So we're talking 16 points. 13 assists, and then the franchise record of 10 steals, but the NBA record of nine steals in the first half. That was so cool to see. It really is. Yeah. Helping the team come back from that 19-point deficit in the second half as well. Pacers winning that game 114-111, to but to see him set an NBA record... That's pretty cool. And I know, Kurt, we were talking, we're like, wait, what's the record for a full game? I had to look it up. It's 11. It's 11. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I was walking into the arena tonight and I was walking in with a few security guards and they were talking about TJ McConnell and, you know, what a game that he had. And the buzz around the building was great, you know, for TJ McConnell tonight. And I mean, I'm just glad that we got him from Philly, that He's playing for Indiana now, and I hope that we can keep him here, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. I know that's been a big debate, and tonight I heard people talking about that as well. I'm just glad that we've got him, and I hope we can keep him. So true. Now tonight, I know you talked about there was all that exciting buzz when you walked in. You know, Everybody was so excited for TJ. But tonight we did know that it was going to be a tough game against Denver because we also know that the Nuggets – are known for having one of the best offenses in the league right now. So we didn't know how this game was going to go. I mean, we were obviously, we had our hopes high, but Nuggets won this one tonight, 113 to 103. But still, Kurt, I know throughout the game, we saw a lot of the guys playing very well. We really did. And I mean, the energy in the building was great tonight, not only from the players, but from the fans. I mean, you could definitely see the excitement were going on. You know, I heard numbers from two to 3,000 people. Um, they're definitely opening the building up more, the upper balcony. Both sides of it are open now. It felt almost like a normal game. I mean, the way that everything was going, you know, pre-COVID, like we definitely had the energy in the building tonight, you know, even though unfortunately that we did lose versus the Denver Nuggets. But I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's 
good to get back regardless if we're getting the wins or for you know losing i just it's it's been a good time and you know we're about to approach the all-star break so maybe that'll help them refresh and you know we just the second half of the nba schedule just was released and we have a lot a lot of games to come absolutely speaking of which this is a great transition into today's interview with Ryan Vaughn, president of Indiana Sports Corp. He talked about the NCAA tournament coming here to Indianapolis. You know, in Indiana, we always say, Kurt, you know, it's all about basketball. And yeah, they even have the saying that we were by tonight. We (laughs) grow basketball. basketball Yes, exactly. So we took a picture in front of it just so, you know, if you guys haven't seen it inside Bankers Life Fieldhouse, we have the huge banner. We grow basketball. I mean, whether it's high school, college, NBA, we're about it. And, you know, with having Ryan Vaughn on, the president of Indiana Sports Corp, he has so much to do, you know, and I learned a lot today with that interview is that, you know, he was involved in the NBA All-Star bids, you know, for the city of Indianapolis. And he's also, you know, a big, big reason why we got the NCAA tournament, the entire tournament, not only in the city of Indianapolis, but in the state of Indiana. And we just did it so quick and how that transition was. I mean, everything just happened so fast. So he's a big reason for that. Absolutely. And without further ado, we'll send it over to that interview with Ryan. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for making time being on here. A quick introduction to Ryan Vaughn. He has been president of Indiana Sports Corp since 2014. Before that, I know he served as chief of staff for Indianapolis Mayor Greg Ballard. And even prior to that role, he was a lawyer with a practice that focused on government relations. I know you even served as a counselor on the city county council and was council president. Such an impressive career that you have had and an impact on the city. And amazing to now see the wealth of knowledge you've brought to Indiana Sports Corp, helping to bring big sporting events here to our city. I know I've had the privilege of interviewing you, Ryan, before in my previous role as a reporter, covering some of the big events that you've helped bring here, including Big Ten Championships, NCAA Final Fours, and now here we are, talking about the 2021 Men's Basketball Tournament, March Madness unlike anything we've ever seen before, which is the reason that I know Kurt was saying we have to do this episode. We're a basketball here, so Kurt... I'll let you dig in with the first questions for Ryan here. So, yeah, Ryan, we were originally supposed to host the 2021 NBA All-Star Game, you know, being the Pacers MCs. We were really looking forward to that being here in the city of Indianapolis. Now, obviously, we're hosting March Madness. The entire NCAA tournament is going to be here in the city of Indianapolis and actually spread out throughout the entire state of Indiana. Can you kind of walk us through the process of that? Like, how did we actually get the entire tournament here in Indianapolis or in the state of Indiana, and what has your role been during that process? Yeah, thanks, and thanks for having me in that super kind introduction. Uh, whenever I, I sort of hear those past roles, I, I think to myself, man, I, I really can't keep a job. It seems like I turn over, you know, every every few years. Or so. <laughs> no, you've had an impressive career. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been quite a process, as you as you mentioned. You know, obviously, you know, really about a year ago, next week um, is when the Big Ten men's basketball tournament was canceled. Um, really, on day two of it, and thus started a kind of a slow drip of cancellations from Olympic sports to professional sports and. Um, as, as we were sort of looking at our long-term calendar, you know, we, we were heading into probably the two most exciting years in sports events in Indianapolis's history, right? So, as you mentioned, the All-Star Game right. followed six weeks later by the Men's Final Four, followed by Indy 500, a Big Ten Football Championship, a College Football Playoff National Championship, 
um, you know, and, and even more Big Ten basketball uh, the following year. Um, so we, you know, we lost a lot initially, um, but we, we kept our eye on the prize and said, you know, we know we're going to get through this pandemic. Uh, how do we do it most effectively? Uh, with, with March of 2021 kind of being our key date, you know, we knew the Final Four was already scheduled to be here. So how do we as a community help uh, be, a, you know, be a friend to college basketball and help to get started safely? And so we really started working, you know, kind of after the Pacers and uh, came out of the bubble and we saw what was happening in Orlando. We said, hey, it's foreseeable that college basketball may, may want to do or need to do the same thing if the conditions don't improve. So we started working on our own version of um, a controlled site, uh, a basketball environment. We built courts inside the convention center. We locked down a hotel partner. We hosted some college games. We hosted a, a USA basketball FIBA qualifier. Um, and really began the process of learning how to do things both environmentally safe, but then also you know, testing players, coaches, uh, athletes, uh, things of that nature, and, and kind of learned a lot. Um, as college basketball season got closer and closer and closer, um, you know, we had conference, conferences reaching out to us to ask if they could play games. Um, it became clear to the NCAA that um, when it came tournament time, the responsible thing to do is not to fly 68 teams all across the country in different venues, different states with different standards. Right. But to really bring everybody together in one spot uh, and find a way to safely execute in a controlled environment similar to what what the NBA did. And so those conversations started, you know, uh, really an idea for in late October, took shape through November. Um, and then, of course, we had our announcement in January. Speaking of, you know, it's going across the entire state of Indiana. Can you explain some of the host arenas? And I know particular schools are, I don't know if they're the sponsors or how do you, however you want to say that, of those arenas? Yeah, so for every NCAA championship event, they have what they call a host institution. Um, so the NCAA, of course, is made up of members. And those members are colleges and universities. And when an event happens at their place or at their city, they usually function as the host. So, you know, we went from planning on hosting three basketball basketball games over one long weekend uh, to hosting 68 over three, three weeks or uh, 67 uh, games and 68 teams over three weeks. Um, and to do so, especially on that first weekend when everyone is in town and you've got multiple games happening at once, we had to have multiple venues. So games we played in six venues throughout the state. So you've got IU, okay. Purdue, you've got uh, Farmers Coliseum, Butler, Lucas Oil Stadium will actually have two courts in it, which is interesting. And then of course, yes, House, sort of the, the gym of our, our basketball community um, will be hosting a variety of games throughout it. So uh, the host institutions um, are assigned a particular venue. I think IUPUI is the host institution of Baker's Life Fieldhouse. And what that functionally means is that they provide some level of staffing and support for executing a basketball game. So whether it's scoring okay. tables, things of that nature. So at the end of this entire thing for the final four in the championship game, where will that take place? Lucas Oil? Yes, that'll be in Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil will not be in its uh, traditional final four setup where it's sort of center court, you know, 70,000 people. It's it's really more in a regional setup. Uh, so if you're familiar with the regionals that have taken place at Lucas Oil, you basically sort of divide Lucas Oil in half right down the middle, curtain it, and then on one side you'll have all the suites, uh, you know, about probably 16,000 total uh, capacity uh, for a Final Four. That's awesome. So going forward, I've heard just different things on the radio, and I actually heard this morning on the radio that all the players you had mentioned are flying in. You didn't want them scattered out throughout the entire country. They're all coming into Indianapolis and to Indiana to play. They're staying at different hotels. It's kind of like a bubble setup. I've heard that 
fans are going to have the opportunity to write notes and send those two different hotels to kind of welcome those players into the city of Indianapolis. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. We're, we're, we're engaged in a letter writing campaign now. If folks are interested in welcoming these fans, they can go to final4indy.com and see sort of a template on how to how to send a note. And it can be anything from a typed note that you email to it or, or a handwritten letter that you want to send to us that we then post inside of the controlled environment. But it, it's really kind of interesting. You know, I think we've all felt some of this, um, well, I'll say anxiety about not being able to be around and with one another. Uh, and I know right. that's certainly true with the, with the student athletes and the coaches as well. And, and here we are again, um, you know, asking them to sort of contain themselves in an environment, limit their movements, you know, maintain social distance. And so uh, we, we really want to just let them know that uh, the community is so grateful that they're here. They're so supportive. We want to congratulate them for making the tournament, welcome them to Indy. Um, and you know, that's kind of what we do best. We're Hoosiers, right? That, that's where Hoosier hospitality comes from. So it can be oh, right. Absolutely. It can be your child, you know, uh, drawing a, a fun picture and, and, uh, you know, sending it to one of these, uh, these players, these athletes, or it can be just a note from, from your grandma saying how much uh, she loves college basketball. And she's so excited that it's happening in Indy, but it's a, it's a fun way to just have a personal touch. So again, have people want to get involved in that? Where, where would they go to what website or social media? How do they get involved? Yeah, they can go to final4indy.com and there's a tab there that has a community engagement tab. And then it just kind of walks through the process. They could actually just email something directly to us at letters at indianasportscorp.org. Letters okay. at indianasportscorp.org. Or if they want to mail it to us uh, directly, um, they can find our um physical address on our website at uh, indianasportscorp.org as well. Speaking of that Hoosier hospitality you talked about, I feel like Indianapolis has really hosted some big events, sporting events over the years. I mean, we always host the 500, but we're always hosting huge events. And I know, Ryan, you've always been a big part of helping bring those events to the city and really showcasing our city. And so Kurt and I were wondering, we were talking about, you know, what was the process like bringing the entire tournament here to Indianapolis? What did that take? Yeah, it, it was challenging. I mean, uh, to your point, we, you know, we normally bid on these opportunities years out. You know, for example, you know, the Pacers knew they were hosting the NBA All-Star game, you know, almost four years ago now, right? Three years ago when right. they yeah. delivered the bid, you know, in an Indy car down, down the middle of New York. Um, That's so cool. So you, have a lot, you have a lot of time to plan these things. And um, here, we, you know, we really knew basically three months out that this was going to happen. So there's a lot of logistics that need to take place. One, you know, coordinating the availability of all the venues, clearing the, uh, the way at the Indiana Convention Center for practices, working with the hotels to sort of do complete buyouts um, and, and make sure that the business that they already had booked could go somewhere else. And really just a lot of sort of like Tetris pieces, if you will, to make it happen. But I, I always believed from the moment that the NCA indicated to us they were committed to making it happen. Uh, I knew as a community, we could do it. Everyone works really well together here. It's the hotels, the city, the state, the venues, the professional teams. Uh, we really do have a unique partnership that uh, just doesn't exist in a lot of places outside of, of Indianapolis. And, you know, to your point, we, we compete against a lot of major cities across the country for the right to host these events. And we win um, more often than not because of that partnership and people know about it across the country. That is so exciting. And I know the word people always hear when we talk about these big events is economic impact, but it's because <laughs> it's so important. Like you talk about all those hotels involved. I mean, this is what we need right now. Is there any kind of numbers you can share with us or, you know, preliminarily right now that, that you're thinking when you bring this event here? Yeah, we think, you know, definitely in excess of $100 million in economic impact. The economic impact, that phrase and those dollars amounts 
I always find interesting. Yes, they're meaningful, they're good to talk about, but it's, you know, there's 80,000 people that work in the hospitality industry in Marion County. That industry currently has an unemployment rate of 45%, right? And so these are real people in our community. These are moms and dads, uh, you know, trying to, to put food on the table. They're, you know, young people in the beginning of their careers who are looking to gain experience, who have been sidelined by this terrible virus. And so the opportunity to get these people back to work um, and, and honestly, just the joy that you can see they have when they learn that they're being called back, right? It's like it's, right. it's that light at the end of the tunnel for them and they know that they're gonna be contributing to something very special um, and, and it's it's really kind of turning the page for them. And, and that to me, I think is the, is the most exciting part about when we talk economic impact. It's real people and real jobs. Wow, that's such a good way to put it. And I didn't realize the breakdown of all the people just in Marion County alone who've now been suffering because of this. So this is really good news. That's great. I mean, it's, it's people that work in restaurants and hotels, it's stagehands, it's media production companies, it's ushers and security guards, it's, you know, it, you name it. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that touch hospitality and tourism uh, and sports tourism in particular. And, and um, you know, they're all excited to come back to work and, and we're happy to you know, have the opportunity to make that possible. So going along the same lines, is there going to be other things to do around the city? I know like when we had the Super Bowl here, we had the Super Bowl village and all that, but still with COVID, you know, and all the rules and regulations, are there going to be things? Because I want to get into the fans and I'm going to ask you, you know, about the fans if we're going to actually have those at the games. But first and foremost, is there going to be stuff for, you know, if they can't attend the games to go and do throughout the city and the state? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we were very fortunate to receive a nice grant from the Lilly Endowment. They, uh, and they're funding a lot of these community engagement moments. So uh, we have a mural project taking place. So we'll have uh, four murals that are being uh, created in downtown to kind of celebrate basketball. We're going to hire an employee. This is really exciting. Over 300 artists, um, whether they're musicians, spoken word, poetry, um, you know, painting, what have you, to come do activations throughout downtown so that so that it feels alive and special and people can engage. And I think a really neat part of that is that um, there's a commitment to 40% of those artists to be uh, people of color. So it's really going to be kind of a rich, nice. you know, a rich experience. Um, and it's a really unique story across the country. There are cities across the country trying to figure out how to use the arts to sort of bring their community back to life. And this is a very unique moment for us to be able to do that. And so all of those, uh, Fan activation moments, uh, tours, uh, live performances will be on our website or on final4indy.com uh, okay. as they're finalized. But there's, there'll be plenty to do for sure. Um, it, it'll, be, it'll be exciting. How about restaurants? You know, I also heard that Georgia Street is going to be shut down and they're going to do outdoor dining. Yeah, a lot of the restaurants, the, the city's committed to um, accelerating what is their outdoor dining program. So you may remember that taking, uh, um, taking shape over the summer as people were trying to figure out how to work through COVID. Uh, they're going to accelerate that. So, you know, starting actually now, uh, some of these restaurants are going to be putting up tents, whether it's on Georgia Street or outside, just to really increase their footprint, increase their space. Uh, and then we had some good news this week from our Marion County Health Department as well. Dr. Kane um, has, has sort of expanded the capacity, right? So restaurants can now go up to 75%, which is great. Bars can okay. go up 50%. Um, and as long as the health numbers continue to maintain or improve, you know, these, these folks are going to get to experience uh, a level of business they haven't in over a year, which is awesome. And speaking of experiencing things, going back to my question, are we going to be able to have fans? And if so, what's the percentage, you know, 25%? I'm hearing all these different numbers. Are they going to be able to attend these games throughout the state? We will have fans, yes. Um, and awesome. Each venue has up to 25%. 
uh, capacity. Now that obviously varies. Twenty five percent at Hinkle Fieldhouse is a lot different than twenty five percent at Lucas Oil Stadium. Right. Right. Um, and there will be some public ticket sales available through all the rounds. In fact, I think uh, public tickets may go on sale today for the first four, uh, which are going to take place in in Bloomington and, and Lafayette. So it will be limited capacity, right? We we right. expect to walk in there and. and and feel like it was 2015 in Indy again, um, but but it, it'll be nice, you know. I mean, you all know, uh, even just having some element of fans back for patient games just totally changes the environment. You you, you want to hear the boos, you want to hear the cheers, uh, you can feel the energy a little bit, and so that's that's right. really exciting. Really exciting. That's what we've been missing, the fans. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The other thing I was just going to ask was. You know, you you touched on it. The other thing Kurt and I were saying, right as we were jumping on this call, was about the All Stars. And you mentioned Larry Bird. You guys got him driving in an, an Indy car, I think it was, in New York, right. and personally delivering the package to the NBA commissioner. That was so cool. What's some of the behind the scenes conversations like when you come up with a concept like that, and and you're saying we're going to show them we need to host the All Stars here in Indy, or we can host this entire you know, March Madness tournament here. What do those conversations look like? Yeah, it's really, it's it's a really fun brainstorming moment, right? I, I, you know, we take a lot of pride in the way that we craft a bid to host an event and the way we deliver a bid. Um, and so, you know, think back to the Super Bowl even, you know, we had children, grade school children, hand delivering bids to team owners all across the country. You know, you've got uh, who would have thought to put Larry Bird in an Indy car? Who would have thought Larry Bird fit in an Indy car? Right. right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's all about, for us, it's all about just showing that, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, right? And so when you're dealing with that event rights holder, whether it's the Big Ten or the NBA or the, the NCAA or an Olympic governing body, you want them to know that from day one, uh, you have thought about every detail and you're going over the top to make their event special. And so for us, that's what that's about. That first moment needs to be super important. And, you know, it's great. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of remarkable to me sometimes. We'll put a lot of thought and effort as a, as a community into a moment like that. And others will just literally FedEx a three ring binder with their ideas. Right. And so it, really from like moment one, you start to separate yourself <laughs> from the from yep. institution standpoint. And uh, but people are catching on, right? I mean, uh, people people have seen the success of this community, um, whether it's, you know, the Pacers or us or, or, or whatever group in attracting these major events. And so we just got to keep pressing the envelope, keep getting more creative. You mentioned all the work that goes into it. I mean, I know they just announced that the NBA All-Star Game is going to be in Atlanta. Is that, I mean, does, do you feel let down, you know, from that? Because it got canceled in Indianapolis and now it's actually going to be in Atlanta. But I know that we're still going to have it in 2024. How do you feel about that? Before it was relocated, sure, I was sort of uh, disappointed that it was canceled. I, mean, I think everybody was looking forward to the All-Star Game. but. Mm -hmm. It didn't take long to sort of recontextualize it for me. I mean, Baker's Life Fieldhouse is in the midst of uh, incredible, massive renovation, right? And yeah. Both internally and then it's you know, externally and the new pavilion. And, it, you know, we might just be a, a bit of a bit of luck, actually, that uh, mm -hmm. pushed out a few years and you'll have this fully rented brand new stadium and we'll be able to do it the Indianapolis way, right? We're not going to be stuck at 25% capacity. Right, a little more time day. to plan. Yeah, more time to plan. And we won't be, you know, knock on wood, re restricted, you know, by health conditions. We'll be able to go full out like we do for every other event. And and so that that's a blessing, right? I mean, the economic impact to your question earlier will be much greater. Um, the, the brand exposure, the storytelling, the engagement from the community will, will be much better. We'll have, you know, new hotels to showcase. It, it's going to work out wonderful. 
You're right. We'll really be able to show off that Hoosier hospitality then. We'll be ready. For sure. (laughs) Ryan, is. I know you've covered so much. There's going to be so much to do. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want the fans to know? Somebody listening right now that's thinking, what can I do? How can I get, you know, involved? You know, what would you like them to know? We'll host a lot of those fan engagement moments on our website. I would also encourage them to go to visitindy.com. Uh, Visit Indy is going to have a, a lot of activities as well. What I would say, and, and I know um, this is true, that there are many people who have not been back downtown for any meaningful moment, literally in almost a year. Uh, people that used to work here um, that would come down all the time. And I would say, you know, downtown is a safe, clean, fun environment, but it's also an environment that needs your support. So uh, please come back downtown, please engage in some of these activities, eat at a restaurant, try and catch a ball game. Um, You know, your city needs you, Um, it's here for you. We're putting a lot of work in to make sure it's safe, fun, engagement, and there's activities to take place. And so it's, I really hope this is a moment, um, not only to put all these people back to work, not only to, you know, sharing these brands across the globe, but really to re-engage as a community, Um, you know, it's, it's, it's time for us to quit seeing one another as a health threat and remember what it feels like to see one another as human beings engaging and, and celebrating our community. Yeah, in it together. Yeah, absolutely. Only other question, just very generic if you just want to go through it. What is the breakdown for the bracket? Because, again, I'm, I'm involved with a portion of it at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum through March 19th through around the 21st and 22nd. But I know there's a game on the 18th. Can you kind of just give us a quick breakdown of how everything's going to be laid out? So the, the kind of uh, crazy month of March, um, I mean, we're going to host almost 100 college basketball games in four weeks, which is just wild, right? We'll have March 8th and 9th, the Horizon League Championships will be at uh, Indiana Farmers Coliseum. March 9th through 13th, we'll have the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. March 10th through 14th, we have the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament at Lucas Oil Stadium. That night, of course, is Selection Sunday, the 14th. And then we roll right into March Madness, where we've got the first four playing at Mackey, and Cindy Simon Scott Assembly Hall on March 18th. And then the first rounds take place in all six venues on the 19th and 20th. The second round takes place on the 21st and 22nd at Baker's Life, Hinkle, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and Lucas Oil. And then you really get to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Sweet 16 is shared uh, between Baker's Life and Hinkle Fieldhouse, the Elite Eight, and the Final Four at Lucas Oil Stadium. Okay. So March 8th to April 5th, uh, there's some basketball just about every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you almost kind of forget about the Big Ten, you know, and the Horizon League and all that stuff with the whole entire NCAA tournament coming here. Like I kind of, I almost forgot about that, you know, as well at the beginning of all this. Yeah, it's it's kind it's kind of wild. I mean, uh, you know, candidly, we didn't know whether we were going to host the Big Ten men's tournament um, as of last week, and we're going to go on sale for tickets today or tomorrow. Or a tournament that starts next Wednesday, right? So it's, it's, right. it's all yeah. moving quite yep. quickly. <laughs> right. Ryan, this is awesome information all around. A lot for fans to get excited about here in Indy. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. No, yes, thank you so much. Yeah, great to talk to both of you. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Believe in Pacers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And make sure you guys spread the word a little bit for us and rate and subscribe the Believe in Pacers podcast. You can get this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts at, whether it's Apple Music, Tidal Music, Google, all things that got podcasts, we are located there. See you on the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.